It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Today, we'll be finishing out our two-part series, touching on the best moments of the 2019-20 season so far for the Timberwolves. We covered numbers five and four on Monday, and today we'll go with three, two, and one. As a reminder, each podcast across the Lockdown NBA Network will be spending time this week looking at the best moments of the season so far for the respective teams. Today, um, we will, as mentioned, dive into three, two, and one. Um, a, a quick reminder to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Typically, we try and start with a little bit of league-wide news. There isn't a whole lot going on over the past couple of days. Um, really not, um, I don't know, there's, there's really not even much related to the status of of the league or when games could come back. There's still kind of this uh, overall sense of it seems like they're still going to try to restart the season, but right now we're basically talking, you know, a little bit of, of draft uh, news, what teams are looking for. Um, there's a little bit of talk about, um, about, you know, some players retiring Olympics, you know, Andrew Bogut, will he play in the 2021 Olympics or will he retire some general management movement? Calvin Booth, of course, former Timberwolves, well, player and then also director of, of pro personnel got promoted to general manager with the Nuggets. Uh, former GM Milt Newton, who is the Timberwolves GM under uh, Flip Saunders, he uh, is currently with Milwaukee as their assistant GM, and he is um, as a candidate for the for the GM's job in Chicago. Um, also, the G League um, will have a select team which will allow players who don't want to play college basketball to go there and play for a year before being drafted into the NBA. There's a few different candidates for the the head coaching job there. Um, Sam Mitchell is 
reportedly going to be the coach, of course, longtime Timberwolves player, um, you know, top five in basically every category in Timberwolves history, and then also longtime assistant with the Wolves and interim head coach after Flip Saunders passed away. Um, apparently, officially, David Fisdale and Brian Shaw are each also receiving consideration for the head coaching job of the G League Select team, which again is primarily going to be, you know, 18, probably not too many 17 year olds, 18, 19 year olds. Um, who are trying to get to the NBA without playing college basketball. So Mitchell's been seen as this guy who can, you know, he, despite his, his uh, more tough love type demeanor, almost more of a Tom Thibodeau in, in some senses, he still um, grew close with the likes of Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, all those guys. That was Towns rookie year, Wiggins second year when Mitchell was the Wolves head coach. Um, so also, uh, also Zach Levine's rookie season excuse me, second season. And, uh, and Mitchell grew close to them and apparently is still close. And, and I think that that sort of a relationship has really, uh, lended itself to the idea that Mitchell could be a developmental coach. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how that goes. Um, certainly there's some style, there's some, um, part of Mitchell's coaching style, namely his strategy that is, is a little bit old school still, but clearly is still a, a, you know, a very present figure on NBA TV and involved um, in in the lives of a lot of different players. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. And if he does indeed officially get named the coach of that team, uh, but that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. That's kind of the rundown of the overall league news with a couple of, I guess, you know, tangential wolves connections there with Newton and with, uh, and with Sam. Um, so we'll move on and go right into our series of, of the, uh, the top three moments now of the season so far for the Timberwolves. Um, our number five moment, just to quickly recap, was the win over the San Antonio Spurs on Thanksgiving Eve back in late November that brought the Wolves record to a surprising 10-8 and eight at the time. Of course, it directly preceded an 11-game losing streak. That game was significant because it brought the Wolves to their high water mark of 10 wins and only eight losses. It also was the second win of a road trip and the first time the Wolves had beaten San Antonio in San Antonio in 11 tries. Also the second time to that point in the young season that the Wolves had beaten the Spurs going 2-0 against a a Spurs team that at the time was really reeling um, and certainly is nothing like Spurs teams of the past, but still a significant moment in in uh, really in any Wolves fan's life when the Wolves beat San Antonio, especially in San Antonio with Greg Popovich still you know, at the helm down there uh, for the Spurs. So that was number five. Number four was on the other side of that losing streak. After the Wolves lost 11 in a row, there was a double overtime win in Sacramento, basically a month later, uh, the night after Christmas. It was an ugly game. Wiggins had the winning basket in overtime, double overtime, and the Wolves held on to win an ugly low-scoring game against the Kings team that, again, was also reeling at the time and has really pulled things together since then and, of course, beaten the Wolves in that massive comeback in, uh, I think it was in January shortly thereafter. So those are moments five and four. Today, we're going to talk top three. We'll start with number three. The number three moment was the season opening win, opening night, the victory over the Brooklyn Nets at the Barclays Center. Carl Anthony Towns had a monster game. Andrew Wiggins had a classic Andrew Wiggins game. Um, There were also some uh, positive moments from Robert Covington and especially from Josh Okogie and Jake Lehman off the bench in this game. Um, The Timberwolves built a massive lead. Remember, this is early... This is opening night. So Ron Saunders' official head coaching debut. Um, you know, the team, the Wolves turned over so much of this team in the offseason. Uh, the Timberwolves starting lineup in this game was at point guard Jeff Teague. They had Travion Graham, Andrew Wiggins on the wings, Robert Covington, and Carl Anthony Towns at 
in the front court. And uh, the high minutes getters off the bench, Jake Lehman was number one, played 23 minutes. Shabazz Napier played 21 minutes. And then Jarrett Culver was at 16. Josh Kogi and Noah Vonley each played 14 minutes. This was back when Noah Vonley was Carl Anthony Towns' backup. And uh, Napier, of course, was the backup point guard. This was pre-injury for Jake Lehman, and so nobody really knew. At the time, there was some thought that he could start instead of Travion Graham. The Wolves primarily went with Graham early in the season. Um, the Timberwolves built a, a really big early lead in this one. I think they were up by as much as 18. Um, yeah, 18 midway through the second quarter. And um, then and the defense was great early on. Towns was awesome in the paint. He was clearly active. He was... Um, you know, the rotations were crisp. He was challenging shots appropriately and not doing the thing where he is a step late, but still, you know, makes, makes a, a little bit of an effort. So it looks like he's trying to block the shot, but then he's out of rebounding position. None of that was happening. He was great. Um, the Nets pushed back at the end of the first half and hit a, a, a shot right at the buzzer and the wolves are up 12 at halftime, but the third quarter was awful. Um, the nets outscored the wolves 37 to 20 and actually built an eight point lead headed to the fourth quarter. Wolves fans had seen that song and dance before and, and kind of figured that was probably about it. Um, but then Ryan Saunders decided to go with Jeff Teague and Shabazz Napier. The first instance of the dual point guard lineup, of course, neither of those guys are with the team anymore. Um, the wolves went on an eight Oh run and towns hit a three pointer to give Minnesota a one Oh one to 98 lead. Andrew Wiggins went into um, old Andrew Wiggins mode. Um, and remember, he was pretty good early in the season. But in this game, he had a number of really tough to watch deep two point attempts with the game kind of in the balance down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, ultimately, though, he did make a couple of really nice shots in the lane. It was really I, I wrote at the time in my game recap for dunking with wolves that it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance from Wiggins because some of those shot attempts were just unconscionable. But then he would come down and make an acrobatic shot in the paint, which we've seen a lot of from Wiggins. But he isn't always that aggressive. And in this game, he was um, the game was tied at 115 with just under a minute left. Towns was guarding um, was guarding uh, Kyrie Irving and really on an island and did an awesome job keeping him in check. And uh, then a second time, um, Towns picked up Irving and forced him into a missed shot. The Wolves couldn't score on their end, went back and forth. Um, and uh, and then in overtime, the Wolves took a 127 to 126 lead. Kyrie Irving had the ball. You may remember this with just under 15 seconds left in isolation with the Kogi guarding him. Um, Irving tried to spin away from a Kogi, lost the ball. A Kogi dove for it. Kyrie recovered, launched a last second off balance attempt and just missed. And the Wolves won um, stifling defense from Josh Okogie. And uh, this was just, just a really fun, fun game to watch overall in terms of individual performances. Carl Anthony Towns had a monster game. He had 36 points, 14 rebounds, 11 to 22 shooting. So 36 on 22 shot attempts, three steals, three blocks, three assists, seven of 11 on three pointers, seven of eight at the free throw line. Um, again, 36, 14, three, three, and three in just a shade under 39 minutes. Andrew Wiggins had 21, but it took him 27 shots to get there. Missed all four three-point attempts. He did have eight rebounds, but he had zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. So it's a quintessential Andrew Wiggins performance, a high volume, scoring more than 20 points, but needing more than 20 shots to do it. Uh, the rebounds are actually a little high from what we're used to from him, but zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks kind of balances that out. Um, the Timberwolves' third leading scorer was Robert Covington. He had a quiet 15 points and nine rebounds, six of 11 shooting in uh, 33 minutes, three of six beyond the arc, kind of spread out his his production. A lot of it was early in the game, actually, um, and he didn't do as much down the stretch. Teague had 14 points, four assists, 
three rebounds. Graham scored nine in his Timberwolves debut against his former team. Akogi was very good off the bench. He had 11 points, three steals, or excuse me, three assists, three rebounds. In 14 minutes, he was a plus 22 for the Timberwolves. Scored 11 points on five shots, six of eight at the free throw line. Jake Lehman had 10 points in 23 minutes, was a plus eight in those 23 minutes, made two three-pointers on four attempts. Napier somehow squeezed the trigger on six three-point attempts in 21 minutes, missed all of them, had five points, but seven assists to only one turnover in 21 minutes was a plus 17. So the bench unit was actually great in this game. Wiggins was a minus 26 in 36 minutes. As much as I hate to to highlight that individual plus minus for a single game, Wiggins minus 26 and Akogi's plus 22 were pretty telling. Um, not to mention Lehman and Napier and even Jarrett Culver and Noah Vonley were all in positive territory. So the entire Wolves bench had a positive plus minus. All the starters had a negative. Towns was only a minus one, but um, goes to show you how strong this bench unit was early in the season and, and what some of the you know, the level of uh, confidence in that unit that I think Wolves, Wolves fans might have had early on clearly that shifted. Um, so that's, uh, those are the individual performances in this game. Kyrie went for 50. This was also our first clue that the, uh, the Timberwolves were going to struggle to defend the pick and roll with their new coverage until towns really, until everybody's more comfortable with it. And also against high usage guards that are just fine and and more than happy to shoot wide open mid range shots. Kyrie made a living in the mid range in this game. He was able to get to the elbows basically whenever he wanted. And that's pretty much a layout for, for guards like him. Um, so he had 58 rebounds and seven assists was a plus 18 in 38 minutes, seven to 14 on threes, but of course missed the game winner. So a really fun game, a fun way to start the season for the Timberwolves. Um, and that lands at number three on our list. Number, all right, next up, we'll talk number two and number one. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. The second best moment of the season so far for the Timberwolves isn't a game. I decided to go with an off-the-court moment, and and I'll give my reasoning here in a moment as to why this is number two and not number one. But we'll put the D'Angelo Russell acquisition at number two. And there's a couple things I want to say about this. First, well, we'll talk about the timeline and, and how that all came together uh, really before anything else. And then I want to talk through some reasonings as to why, why I ranked this where I did. So just a reminder of how this came about. The the Wolves, of course, everybody knows were were after D'Angelo Russell in free agency last summer. They took him on a helicopter ride over LA, found out on the helicopter ride he'd already agreed to sign with Golden State and ultimately was landed by the Warriors in a sign-in trade. So there was an awkward situation there. Everyone knows D'Lo's desire to play with Towns and, and vice versa. Um, you know, they grew up friends in the AAU circuit, competed in college, et cetera, and, and uh, 
had made very public their desire to play together at some point. So the Wolves were going to continue to try and get Towns' pick-and-roll running mate and buddy in D'Angelo Russell. There were rumors all throughout the season. Um, Leading into the trade deadline, there was some reports out there that trade talks had soured, that the Warriors were asking for too much, that the Timberwolves had, had decided to back off. And the Warriors had decided to not move Russell. Remember, him and Steph Curry only played a few games together before Steph broke the bone in his thumb um, early in the season. So the Warriors didn't really get a, a full chance to see what they had in D'Angelo Russell. Um, and so it made sense that a trade wouldn't happen. The Wolves shifted gears. They joined that four-team trade a few days before the deadline. Got Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, a first-round pick uh, from Brooklyn, Um or from Atlanta, I guess, which is actually Brooklyn's, and then also Evan Turner, who uh, hasn't played for the Wolves. They sent Robert Covington and Jordan Bell to Houston. They sent um, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, Kade Bates Diop all to Denver. There were some other players involved in the trade Gerald Green, Clint Capella, um, a couple of additional picks. And, uh, and that was supposedly the Wolves' big splash. It was like the biggest trade in terms of number of players in, in like 15 years. Um, so that happened a few days before the deadline. The, there were the reports that the D'Angelo Russell trade wouldn't happen. And then on the actual deadline day, the Wolves pulled off a couple of trades. I remember I was actually sick with the flu. So I was at home and watching some of the live deadline coverage on NBA TV and saw the report live. I think it's the first time basically ever for a trade deadline for any sport that I've seen this unfold live on TV. But there was the report from... Um, I think it was uh, I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski that the Wolves were going to acquire D'Angelo Russell. Um, yeah, it was Woj. I wanted to make sure I got my uh, my breaking news source correct that the Wolves were going to land D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors in a trade with Andrew Wiggins, which I think made everybody feel a little bit better. Um, there was some concern that it could be a uh, you know that there could be. Uh, that basically the Wolves would have needed to use Covington and picks to get him. But instead, the Wolves would use Wiggins in one pick and were able to use Covington in a separate trade. And so Minnesota got D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman, sent out Andrew Wiggins, a first-round pick for next year, 2021, that's top three protected. So if the worst happens again next season, they should still hang on to their pick. And then also a 2022 second-round pick. So basically a first-rounder and a second-rounder, along with Andrew Wiggins, to get D'Lo and a couple of throw-ins. Um, the the advantage here um, in this trade for the Wolves, in addition to to getting D'Angelo Russell, of course, is shedding Andrew Wiggins' salary. The Warriors clearly are just seeing this as an opportunity cost. They get a first-round pick, um, which they think will be decent next year. And and that's and giving up Russell and taking on Wiggins' salary is a little bit of the opportunity cost to get that pick. And there's also the chance that they can turn Wiggins around in their culture, that he can play alongside Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and then when Klay Thompson comes back next year, Klay Thompson. And could he be the guy that everybody wants him to be? Clearly, he's not going to be worth his salary, and the Warriors aren't going to ask him to be a star, which is how he's being paid, but they need him to be you know, a, a strong two-way player and contribute offensively when they need him to, but lock down defensively. So I think that there's, you know, they think, my guess is they think there's probably a 50-50 shot they can make him you know, they can stomach that deal or if they can't, they must think they can move him next year for something, um, you know, shed the salary or, you know, when Thompson comes back, whether it's over the summer or at the deadline next year, and uh, they at least still get the Wolves pick next season. So, um, and they clearly didn't think Russell was a great fit for them. So that, but the reason why this moment slots in at number two for me is because there was somewhat of a feeling of inevitability that this was going to happen, even after all the reports just prior to the deadline that it wasn't. Um, I think everyone knew it was going to happen at some point 
personally, I thought it was going to be in the summer before it went down. Um, and the fact that it came together so last minute just shows how badly the Timberwolves wanted this to happen. And and I can just imagine Gerson Rosas just badgering um, Bob Myers and the Warriors trying to get this deal done. Um, but it did. Um, and, and obviously, at the time, the Timberwolves were struggling with Towns back on the floor, too. Um, there was just this sense of, you know, Town, the Wolves are struggling defensively. Towns isn't really carrying this team completely himself. Is adding his friend and another guy who struggles on defense, is that really going to make you know make things work? So there was this weird kind of Paul hanging over the trade. Um, and I don't know that anybody feels all that much better at this point. They've only played one game together, both D'Lo and, and Towns. Russell missed his first game. That would have been his first game in a Wolves uniform due to a quad issue. They played one game together and then Towns got injured and hasn't played since. Um, so it, at the end of the day, though, this still ranks, obviously, because the Timberwolves have two young all-stars, two guys that made all-star teams already early in their career. Um, the Timberwolves got out from Andrew Wiggins' contract. And then also around this deadline, you know, this deadline celebration and this presser that they held um, in the, uh, I, I forget which tower it was downtown, the, the very public press conference that they did to celebrate the trade. I mean, you got Malik Beasley, the hope of Malik Beasley, what he could be. Do the Wolves have three future, three current stars um, in Towns, Russell, and Beasley? And if you could figure out the defense, this is going to be one of the most dynamic offenses in the league provided you could fill in the rest of the pieces. And I, I have pretty high confidence Rosas can do that. So there's, it's just this weird, again, the sense of inevitability and, and the, the, I guess the worst case scenario that they've got some overpaid guys that can't play defense kind of, uh, pushes this one down just a little bit. Um, however, we're going to get to our top moment here in a second. And, uh, the top moment came immediately after this moment and, uh, gave everybody a little bit of a sense for the future as well. So we're going to talk top moment here in just a minute. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, before we get to the top moment, a quick recap of the five through two moments so far in the season. Number five was the win over the Spurs on Thanksgiving Eve. It brought the Wolves record to 10-8, and eight, snapped an 11-game losing streak in San Antonio. The number four moment was the snapping of the 11-game win streak, the double overtime win in Sacramento the night after Christmas with the Andrew Wiggins game winner in double overtime. Number three, the season opening win over the Brooklyn Nets in overtime. Kyrie misses at the buzzer. Towns has a massive game, and there's a lot of hope um, after the opening night victory at Brooklyn. Number two was the D'Angelo Russell trade and everything that surrounded it, the positivity that surrounded the trade deadline acquisitions overall, but also landing a second young all-star to pair with Carl Anthony Towns. The number one moment of the season so far was absolutely and unequivocally the win over the Los Angeles Clippers 
immediately following the trade deadline acquisitions. Um, this was the Saturday, the day after the Timberwolves announced all their acquisitions in that big press conference. The Clippers came into the game 36 and 15, of course, one of the best teams in the West with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And, um, the Wolves had obviously struggled a lot of late, had an ugly loss that Wednesday night, which was following the Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez trade, but neither of those guys had been able to play in that game as some of the logistics were getting worked out still. Um, the Wolves on the Saturday game had everybody available. That included James Johnson. It included Beasley, Hernan Gomez. It included um, um, the guys, the rest of the guys they got in that big trade. It included uh, Jacob Evans from the Golden State trade. However, D'Angelo Russell sat out due to um, injury. I think it was a quad that he had. So he was on the bench in a suit, um, addressed the crowd pregame, said a swear word. That was funny. Um, so that was all kind of a fun start to the night. Carl Anthony Towns was still playing. Um, Towns in this game, the, the Wolves jumped out to an early lead and just never let up. They scored 40 points in the first quarter. They led 40 to 31, scored 41 in the second quarter, had 81 points in the first half. Um, and, uh, and we're up 81 to, uh, to six to 59, actually 81 to 59 at halftime. So they're up 22. Um, and then still outscored the Clippers in the third and the fourth quarter, never let up throughout the game and ultimately won by a final of 142 to 115. So they won by 27 against one of the best teams in the league. Carthony Towns only had to play 34 minutes in this game, had 22 and 13 and nine, 22 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists was three of five beyond the arc. His 22 came on just 13 shots. Um, Jordan McLaughlin actually was the Wolves' leading scorer in this game. Had 24 and 11. This was one of his kind of right around that that uh, breakout um, series of breakout games for him. He had a massive dunk um, in this game as well. He shot 11 of 15 from the floor. 24 points, 11 assists, two of four on threes, four rebounds, zero turnovers. So 11 assists to zero turnovers, 24 points on 15 shots. And uh, you can't ask for a better performance from a point guard. You, re- you really can't. Malik Beasley in his Timberwolves debut had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. It was 8 of 19 shooting, so a bit of a high-volume performance from Malik. But he attempted 13 threes and made 7 of them. So he was 1 of 6 inside the arc, 7 of 13 outside the arc. And just showcased a quick release, super quick tri- trigger, the ability to get hot extremely fast. And... Uh, showed everything that he could be if given the minutes and the opportunity to to be that scorer. Juancho had a good game in his Timberwolves debut, 14 points, only one rebound, but he had three assists, made all three of his three-point attempts, and uh, scored his 14, needed just six shots to score 14 points, um, did commit five fouls in 26 minutes. Akogi was the fifth starter, um, had 15 points, two rebounds, two steals. Off the bench, James Johnson had 15 points, five assists, three rebounds, two steals, and a block in his Wolves debut. Six of nine shooting, made two threes as well. Nas Reed off the bench, 14 points, nine rebounds, made four threes. So you're talking about guys who could be the future of this team, all those guys are going to be under contract next year, except for Beasley and Hernan Gomez are both restricted free agents, but the Wolves could easily bring back McLaughlin. Reed's under contract. We talked about him the other day as a, as a potential um, option at backup center for the Wolves moving forward. Um, James Johnson, of course, will be around again next year, um, most likely. And uh, this was just a glimpse into what could be for the Wolves without D'Angelo Russell on the court. Um, and, who knows what, what happens with the backup roles next year if McLaughlin and Reed are on the court for the Wolves or not, or are they on the roster for the Wolves or not. But to see Towns work with guys with shooters like Beasley and Hernan Gomez and, and Nas Reed and James Johnson, see some of these guys surround Towns and really 
um, show what the ceiling of this offense could be. And they're not going to shoot 26 of 44 from beyond the arc every night. They promptly lost five games in a row after this turns out. Um, I mean, they shot 59% from three in this game, 54.7% from the floor. And yeah, the Wolves lost five in a row after this, but they won the game at Miami with D'Angelo Russell with no towns. That was the D'Lo block on Jimmy Butler. Um, they won a couple of games after this. They beat New Orleans. Um, there was one other win um, as well. And so to see these guys win a few games without towns is still really encouraging. You add towns to the mix and, um, and, and, Obviously, this team improves. Um, so seeing them win this game, Sands, D'Angelo Russell, was just this really exciting kind of shot in the arm. I think it was a sellout crowd at Target Center that night. Ton of, a ton of energy and just a sense of anything could happen. Um, expectations have been tempered a little bit after this. But the reason why this is number one and not number two is because it kind of turned that that weird feeling after the trade deadline that at least I had. And I don't think I was the only Timberwolves fan that was like, it just feels like the wolves were chasing this D'Lo thing. And, and what, what is this going to mean moving forward? Is this really a positive thing to have all this money sunk into a couple of guys who are essentially the same age and, and both have the same defensive struggles. Um, but then ultimately 24 hours later, the wolves 24 hours after the press conference, at least the wolves come out and, and dominate one of the best teams in the league by 27. Um, they sell out the building. There's, there's all this positive momentum and that, that memory that the lasting memory of that game is the best moment that the wolves have had so far this season. And that I've had being a fan of the Timberwolves. Um, so that is number one for me, um, defeating, uh, or, or landing number one, just ahead of the, the actual moments of the trade at number two. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed this series. We have a couple, um, you know, kind of, uh, cross the network programming weeks coming up still here that we'll get into later in the week. Um, we'll have one more show this week to talk through what's up next in that series. Um, as well as a couple other things that we'll cover here, um, on Friday in our final episode of the week. That's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Wolves. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.